Hello everyone and welcome back to Navigating Global Frontiers or NGF News. My name is Alec and we have Josh on the line. Uh, today we got two latest global developments. We're going to be talking about the U.S. sanctions on Turkish firms for helping Russia avoid uh, sanctions, uh, as well as China and Venezuela signing new trade and tourism agreements. So we're going to go straight into it, but actually before we go straight into it, um, please follow us on our on our social medias and uh, make sure to visit our website as well, www.ngfnews.com. we got a bunch of blog posts uh, for you guys to read through and uh, enjoy. So, yeah, yeah. Perfect. lots of juicy stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so U.S. sanctions on Turkish firms. Um, the United States has announced a good set of sanctions targeting individuals and companies in various countries, not just Turkey, but primarily Turkey, um, for selling Western technology to Russia for use of uh, the use of it in uh, Ukraine. So that's kind of big. Um, now, Turkey is a country that is kind of sits in between the West and Eastern countries. They tried to serve as a mediator, especially for um, the Ukraine war. They have been trying to be the center, um, kind of the mediator, the, the, the middle person between the West, uh, between NATO countries and Russia. So the fact that they are selling technology to Russia for, for the war effort, I think they passed the line of being a middle person between NATO yeah. and Russia. They, they, they yeah. crossed the line here. Turkey is going through, um, well, they just won their election. Erdogan has just been reelected. And obviously, we have done a uh, latest, global yeah, latest Global Developments episode on that. So please check that out if you want to know more about the Turkish elections and Turkish politics. But, yeah, we are seeing 150 targets, um, including the, uh, the, the country's largest car maker that the United States has sanctioned. It includes businesses and one Turkish official which I find uh, very interesting. Um, th this is a deeply troubling for the NATO alliance and for the United States and their allies. Because like Alex said, yes, Turkey has been the bridge between Russia and the United States and NATO, but they've also been the bridge between the United States, NATO, and the Middle East. So they're a double kind of – it's a double whammy for lack of a better term. Losing the trust in Turkey is not what the United States and NATO wants to see right now, especially when they're still trying to get Sweden over the finish line into becoming a NATO member. They got Finland. The next one is trying to get Sweden over the finish line. And with these sanctions that are being imposed on Turkish companies and Turkish officials, and also with potentially a Turkish government that is, I'm not going to use the word allying, but leaning more towards the Russians, this could cause lots of issues. Maybe one of the reasons, other reasons why the Swedes weren't being sent through is because Turkey is leaning more towards the Russians. Those are accusations, but those are things that now we have to consider as national security purposes. I was double checking the Sweden and NATO thing, but yeah, yeah, they they still have a pathway into NATO, and this is not what I agree. This is not what NATO 
kind of expected and wanted. And then the next question is now whether or not do we can we trust Turkey now? Because they served as a as a trustful middle person, but now it's like like what the what the heck? Like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the trust is going to be the you know almost to the point of being severed at this point uh, from what this Washington and our intelligence has come out with is that they have made not just a couple, but hundreds of shipments that were sanctioned uh, items and goods to the Russians. All of this was sanctioned right when the war was started. So we, these items were not allowed to be given into Russian or put into Russian territory. They also have helped with construction and repair services of Russian ships. Like, that. that is a big one. Sending in goods and maybe potentially technology, maybe we could have gotten over. Because, okay, technology is one thing. But repairing ships that are going to be used, that's a whole other ballgame. That is, you know, basically prepping the Russians for war and mm-hmm. invasions on uh, the the little uh, area of Crimea. I mean, that's dangerous. Yeah, and uh, well, the the West that technology is is being used for e- even the ones that we thought were harmless are still being used for some purpose for Russia as a yeah. part of the war effort. It's like Russia is taking this technology and engineering it or whatever they're doing with it. We don't know the full extent of what they have done with um, with our goods, but they're using it for, for the war effort. And Turkey is not the only country that's been sanctioned. It's the UAE, Georgia, and was it one more country or is it that's just it? Yeah, it's just UAE and Georgia. Yeah. For uh, They sanctioned the UAE for uh, preventing them, well, because of the for natural gas and that Russian companies were involved in the development of their liquefied natural gas project, which a UAE company was involved and they were also sanctioned. I'm and sure the Georgia, UAE dealt with that very quickly though. <laughs> dealt with that like how? Like they just stopped? Yeah, or? They, 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 they went up to the company and said, you got to stop that because they were – the UAE was one of the – biggest bangers of the drum in, in the Middle East of like we're mm. not going to side with Russia. <laughs> like they were one of the big big uh drummers. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So hmm. I haven't heard anything sh- else on like what the UAE's response either. was. But I won't I'm doubt sure that they're gonna though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully it was dealt with. But um yeah. Georgia's surprising. Yeah. But not as surprising as many people may think because they do have a Russian-backed president at the moment. But their people right now are causing mass chaos in the capital city to try and uh, – I'm going to use the word um, dismantle the government very lightly. Um, it's not a coup for sure yet, yet. but they're, it's, it's definitely turmoil in Georgia right now. Mm-hmm. I think my next question is now what what will NATO countries do with Turkey? Are they going to be a trustworthy partner now? What what do you think the next steps are for uh for NATO in handling Turkey? Well, interesting thing 
if you read an article, uh, I read it in our NGF uh, news website. We I wrote an article on the recent um, training session. Uh, 41,000 troops, NATO troops being trained mm. on simulations of what it could look like if the Russians invaded or vice versa if we had to uh, go and invade Russia. And Turkey, a lot of their troops were left out. Officials were there, but troops were not – were left out of the training sessions. So that's mm -hmm. an interesting one. Yeah, and that's – well, that – I think that's that's uh, pressure on Turkey to. I think Turkey has a choice now. Now that now they have, there's there's two roads in front of them, either continue to work with NATO and side with NATO, and abide by what NATO is saying, or they can choose to do whatever they want, but there are going to be consequences. And part of that could could Turkey mm. be expelled from NATO because now now they have the choice. Now they're like, okay, they're, there's going to be a full investigation, obviously. They're just not going to be like, all right, you're out. There's going to be a full investigation. They're going to try to see what they're going to do with Turkey. But personally, I think that there's going to be more than just sanction repercussions. I think there's going to be certain NATO repercussions as well. And part of it was what you're saying is that NATO has left out Turkish troops. And yeah. I think we're going to go even far, further than that. Now, what if maybe... NATO is does not want Turkey at the meetings because they might deem them as a risk now, a security risk, because yeah. they've given away Western technology. That's interesting thought because the the one of the biggest reasons why we wanted Turkey to join NATO is because of their strategic positioning of making sure that Russian Russians can't get nuclear weapons and put them in Turkey to point at Europe. And vice versa. Now we are able to put our if if in a case the scenario were to come, we could put our nuclear weapons and place them in Turkey and aim them straight directly and hit Moscow. But that's so that's probably not going to happen. Them being kicked out. Repercussions of sanctions are I think likely to occur. I haven't heard any recent news of the United Kingdom or France or Germany putting sanctions on Turkey. There's probably many reasons for that um, in their minds, but. The one thing that you make a good point is them not being able to sit in on meetings, and I think meetings like foreign relations and intelligence meetings would be something that the Turkish people cannot sit on. But that's going to have repercussions at very high levels because one of the things that, like you said, is that it's not – it's a binding contract when you're in NATO, when you join, but it's not a binding contract that you just like can't leave. If your government, which is a very conservative government at the moment – Winning the elections decides to leave NATO. That's it. It's done. There's nothing more you can do. And if they start leaving the Turkish government officials and diplomats out of meetings that are important of high intelligence, that could signal that the Turkish are being ousted and that they might want to leave. Consider leaving. Right. And I don't think that um, NATO is going to fully try to isolate Turkey because, like you said, there's a there's a strategic Turkey is a strategic position for NATO. So I think they're going to find where that fine line is of repercussions before it's too much. But now that this happened, I highly doubt that Turkey is ever going to get um, F-35s ever because they, they've, <laughs> they've been wanting F-35s for so long or was it F-16s? I don't know which one it was, but uh, we definitely were not going to get them F-35s. 
Was I think it was F sixteens? It was I definitely F sixteens. Yeah, but still, yeah. you still want them. They're still the best jets in the world. <laughs> well, Turkey's not getting now. them anymore <laughs> because no. Turkey has been wanting F sixteens for so long because Greece has had them. Because the United States has given Greece F sixteens, Turkey has also wanted them. They were like, "Hey, what, what, what the heck? Like, what are you doing?" And we were we were thinking about it. The United States was considering it, but now after this, they're not getting that. So no, that's Erdogan needs to realize exactly what's happening right now. Let's put the hypothetical situation and say that those companies were acting alone. They were acting on self-interest. The government had nothing to do with it. Erdogan had nothing to do with it. The fact that it's been a few weeks and we've heard no statements come out that Erdogan said that these companies were acting alone in their own self-interest looks very, very bad on the Turkish government. Mm -hmm. So even if it is true, even if it is true, it's been a while. And they haven't let let the public know. Now, the most likely situation is that the Turkish government wasn't on it. Erdogan wasn't on it because Erdogan is looking to have a more Turkish-centered politics in his recent campaigning. Um, He's got to realize that he's now making an enemy of the strongest military force in NATO and the United States in the world. And also the largest economic might. In the world, the EU and the United States combined for a GDP of over, what is it now, almost 40 trillion. I mean, you're losing out on a lot of economic gains and securities if he continues down this path. So he's got to really be wary. I, I understand on like him wanting to expand Turkish influence and the, the idea of the nationalism, nationalistic Turkey and like, oh, Turkey is a part of everything. They want to kind of be that. How do I want to say it? They, they kind of want to be that that face of like global global work. But there's a fine line between trying to be friends with everyone and creating enemies. And that's that's what that's what Turkey is doing. They they were fine for just being that middle person, but now they've gone too far and. I think Erdogan needs to understand that, yes, like it, it's a good thing that, you know, he wants to spread Turkish influence and make Turkey look good. But this is not making Turkey look good. And like you said, he, he has done nothing to show that these businesses or whatever acted in their own interest. So he, he's ruining his public image when his goal was to improve Turkey's public image as a global leader. And it's 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 backfiring on him and he really needs to come back and re-strategize a new plan to to make Turkey look good because as as the days pass, he makes Turkey look really bad. Yeah, and uh, like I mentioned before, Turkey used to be the bridge between the Muslim world and the West. Well, now that influence is dwindling for Turkey and now we're, that we're questioning him. And I, I, I believe this truly, and I think Saudi Arabia is going to be that new bridge uh, King Solomon, he's doing a very good job at, at negotiating with uh, countries in crisis, like, the, for instance, the, the Sudanese Civil War. And he is working with Israel now, um, where we'll be doing a podcast on that for the next 
week. So please check up on that one with the new Israel and uh, Saudi Arabia deals. But anyway, Saudi Arabia is becoming that new lead in the UAE are becoming those new leads and bridging the Muslim world with the West. They're doing a fine job. And I think it, maybe um, one thing that's going through Erdogan's head is that he's losing his, again, losing his influence to other countries. Saudi Arabia is going to pass him if he doesn't start to realize what he's doing to his the, the largest security partner in the world. Totally agree. We'll, we'll keep watching on that because that's very interesting. And I want to know soon, hopefully there will be more information about um, what the UAE has done in response and what Turkey is doing in response. So Absolutely. Um, we got, we, we'll keep eye on it and we will definitely be writing about it on our website. So please do check ngfnews.com for updates on everything we're talking about. But Absolutely. I don't got anything else to say on that if, you want, if we want yeah. to go to China and Venezuela. Yeah, let's move on. This is a very... Perfect. Interesting topic, too. Uh, we, I think it was our first topic of the week that we made and we discussed. It was China, uh, Latin America's next chess move, or, or, or China's, next, China's next chess China's move, next chess move Latin, Latin America. America. And what we're seeing here is another foothold in Latin America. Now, this is a dictatorship. This is a, a tyrannical government working with say this lightly, uh, a communist government, but um, they're working together to create new economic trade and tourism uh, agreements. Uh, this includes uh, techno technological uh, sharing information and also crude oil because Venezuela is one of the largest oil producers in the world. So th this is interesting because China is going to be deepening its ties in the United States back uh, backyard. Can you repeat that one more time? You can cut out. Oh, the I'm US. saying that the this is the uh, the United States in the backyard of the United States now. China, oh, yeah. they have a new, oh, new trade. Absolutely, yeah, and and this is the extension of their Belt and Road Initiative because they, they yeah. China is is going to be looking more into Latin America and away from countries in Africa and other countries in around Africa, Latin America, and then oh, in other countries in Asia. They, they, they know that. It didn't work out. It's not working out in Africa, and it's not going to be working out in Asia, especially now when the United States, both uh, the U.S., uh, Europe, some European countries, Middle Eastern countries, are and um, India as well are all going to bridge a gap. Uh, well, create a bridge through rail systems and uh, a bunch of new infrastructure projects. So China's on the back end here, and their next their next move is going to be Latin America, and no better way. To get started, well, they're already started, but no better way to keep going in Venezuela because both Xi Jinping and Venezuela have have good relations, and like you said, they've they've come up with new trade and tourism agreements. So, uh, one of the big things is their new um, oil investment. So, China um, is going to be continuing oil purchases despite uh, U.S. sanctions on Venezuela, and they're going to give Venezuela financial support uh, through more more loans and investments. So more debt trap for Venezuela. Oh, yeah. Well, here's a really awesome, awesome fact that shows what China does. They owe China $10 billion. Mm -hmm. An oil country, an oil country owes China $10 billion. Like that's nuts. It's one of the cases of the show. What China does is they, they, they trap you. If you make a deal with them economically, they did it to Angola, they've done it to Zambia, they've done it to Ethiopia, they have done it to 
countless amounts of countries that they built their Belt and Road Initiative or made trade deals with. Venezuela is looking at trying to fix this issue with the Chinese. So they're going to be, this is why they have technology sharing. This is why they're going to be giving them more oil. And this is why they're trying to um, stress having tourism because they, 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 they want to spread Chinese influence across the globe. And with 10 billion dollars just looming over your head venezuela has no choice and the united states has a very big problem now they are losing a lot of big grounds in terms of relationships with latin america and the chinese are trying to try and pick it up now i don't know if you've read in the news recently between uh lula da silva the pres uh, president of brazil and uh, joe biden they created a new uh their uh, uh i don't know if it's a bilateral pact or a trade agreement to help boost workers basically the middle class around the world and, and have support for workers around the world and that's the first time in a long time that the u.s has actually interacted like that on that big of a deal with a latin american country and they need to continue that or else china is going to have a foothold yep and for Venezuela, they're they're more interested in in BRICS, and they've been wanting they they've expressed their support for the the Belt and Road Initiative, even though they're getting effed. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, rear it's like uh, yeah, they're getting <laughs> rear-ended, and they're like, we support it, and well, th their main goal is BRICS. They, Venezuela wants to be a part of BRICS. They want to be a part of some multilateral organization because. Venezuela is just sanctioned beyond belief of any really kind of being a part of any any agreement any any piece of the global stage and and Venezuela wants to get back into that and no better way is through China and they want to be buddy buddy with China as much as they can to get some international recognition and get into BRICS because they know that in order to pay off their debt BRICS is their really only option and only uh, to get to make money yeah and yeah so no that's that's a great point and because of the recent uh members that just joined bricks as well you know that it looks very enticing economically and, and and for their influence to be spread across the world um i have a hot take though i just thought of this in my head brazil and <laughs> india are gonna leave bricks in the future in the next two years that is a hot take yeah brazil One thing one reason for the reason for Brazil is Lula is very very liberal uh, for Brazilian president for Brazilians he's very very left leaning and yes that's what the communist government is in China but but Lula is very big on climate activism is very big on the middle class is very big on taking down. Um, the cartels and gangs in his country, but he's also big on working with the West to gain an advantage. And BRICS, in some cases, might not allow him to do that. Now, the, re the, only, the only reason India will leave BRICS is if Modi is in charge and there's a continued border dispute. That's that's the only reason. If that, if that you know, solves itself, India's out. India will stay. But Lula, he might, he might want to leave. He's... He also is uh, showing a little bit of uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Distrust in Russia at the moment. No, I, I understand that that it makes sense, and I think India is not going to leave. Is going to leave, but for more than those two reasons, I think they're going to find the benefit. Should all these plans between the U.S., European, and Middle Eastern countries fall through, India really doesn't need BRICS anymore. If they're all these deals are going to fall through, and they're going to be making money. Yeah. So what's what's it, what are they? What benefit are they going to find in BRICS unless BRICS starts to starts to come together and make a make trade deals, make multilateral agreements. But so far they're just adding countries, but nothing's been, nothing's been going on. No. So also the Chinese, uh, economic situation right now, the economy is like, exactly. very, very frightening. Very frightening. So it's like, it's like they, they thought that breaks might be something because they had Russia and China, these two big global powers running a new new multilateral group but it's like now now it's like now what now what india <laughs> india is going to clash heads with china too because india is growing rapidly the average oh, yeah. uh their average gdp growth over the past 7 years has been 7% versus the chinese which has been 3% they're growing at a rapid rate they're having allies on the as a rapid rate i mean they're going to realize that they're, they're not going to need BRICS. And if they do want to be a part of BRICS, they want to be the leader. Why should China just be the leader? Or in Russia? BRICS is going to be one of those groups where it's just like a bunch of uh, global South countries looking to to join the, the, the international stage. And in order to do it, their first step is going to be through BRICS, graduate from BRICS, and then be a part of a, multi, uh, a new multilateral Organization. Yeah, but so. then you have to look at what happened in the recent G20 when the African Union joined. What does the oh, yeah, then, what, then what happens there? You know, yeah. you have to. You have 54 nations that just became a part of G20. So G77. What, what's really the well. point? Yeah, exactly. G77 exists. Uh, China does sit on that too. But what what would be the point of BRICS? I mean, I know that China wants to create their own international system that's competing to, you know, the World Bank. With they have their uh, new Global Development Bank and all that. But what realistic? You're right. What realistically in the future is BRICS going to offer without more agreements? There's nothing that they can offer that that, that G20 can't at a better rate. Yeah, I'm trying to think, but I I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. if they if they try to have the the Chinese want to play a bigger influence in the international stage and be a, 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 a more important currency around the world that might be one of the benefits but I, I don't I I don't see that happening people think Never. that the, the yuan is going to replace the dollar and and things like that I, I, <laughs> I, I people are it, it, there's it's unfortunate that the media is misinforming people. Uh, and they're making it such, such huge, uh, such a huge deal. It's like the yuan will never replace the dollar, ever. Not for a ever. long time. Not for a long time. There's 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 many reasons behind that too. Well, eighty eight percent of the currency market is still paid in U.S. dollars. The yuan does not have enough gold or anything oil backing it. It's also worth six times less, six and a half times less now than the U.S. dollar. How the heck are you going to justify? Spending 
six and a half times more of currency, printing six and a half times more of currency, because that's how it works. If one dollar is equal to six and a half one, you have to print six and a half more of that one, which is going to hyperinflate it and make it worth absolutely nothing in the end of the day. So you're you're wasting your time by thinking that the one in the next fifty years is going to be the currency unless there are some drastic changes to what happens to the US dollar, which I just do not foresee. Now, I want to tie this all back to Venezuela, where their currency yeah. is also <laughs> unbelievably just worthless. I mean, people, it's like, what is it? It's like a million something Venezuelan. Uh, what is the currency? Venezuelan. I'm not whatever. sure what it is. Peso, uh, Venezuelan pesos or something. Whatever it is. It is so bad that it's literally almost worthless. And it's like, they're working with a country that they already owe $10 billion with a worthless currency. Yeah. What, what are they one going to pay with Two. What is China going to offer them besides the one? And they have to trade in if they trade in the one, what, what realistically, I don't understand what Maduro is in sync. Where is the threshold? Where is the point in which Maduro is like, okay, this is like actually not working out for my country? How far in in debt trap? How far in this Chinese partnership is going to go until he realizes that this is this is not for me? Yeah, he also just has no choice again because he's got ten billion dollars that he's got to give to Xi Jinping and the Chinese government, and also, I mean, going back to the currency, I mean, they're basically turning into a barter economy again because mm-hmm. trading something for something else is worth more than using Venezuelan currency. If you need bread, you can trade seeds to grow food and you for the bread. That is a barter economy like it was in the in the 13th century. That's basically what it's turned into in Venezuela. Oh, and so you're right. I mean, Maduro, I don't know what he's not seeing on having to work with the Chinese and all the, the, the debt that he's in, but he also just doesn't have a choice. When you owe the Chinese money, they make you pay in something, whatever it is. I mean, we've seen that countless of times over in Africa. I, I, I don't know how much longer Maduro's going to be in power, but he's going to hold on to power for as long as possible. But yeah. I, I hope soon that something happens for Venezuela where they can go back into the international stage and not be isolated from from the rest of the world but we shall see the future <laughs> not happening for for a while until Maduro is gone but yeah, we might not have anything else on this <laughs> oh you see I mean <laughs> yeah we might be dead by the time Venezuela turns around yeah but all right that's all I have to say for um China and Venezuela yeah, I'm all good. Cool. So thank you all for listening to uh, this week's latest global development. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that, and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah, have a good one, guys.